Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Love Talk Radio. What's up, my Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, and this is the one and only Alex Nicholas, Alex Nicholas. who is not getting any play from any females because <laughs> UTEP has been losing, and I refuse to shave or get a haircut. Oh, I, I, made, I made a bet with one of my cousins, and he's I, a I barber in Austin, and uh he said, because he's bald naturally, so I said, all right, if, 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 if UTEP scores more than 30 points on Texas, because he's a Philadelphia transit turned Austinite, I said, if UTEP scores more than 30 points, you got to grow out your hair until he, he has his little ball spot in the middle. I always used to joke with him. He's like, all right, well, if they get their ass beat, well, then you, gotta, you can't cut your hair until, or you can't cut your hair or shave until when. So, yeah. Fair enough. Did, did UTEP win the game, please? Because, damn. Fair enough. Anyways, what's going on, y'all? Got a loaded show today. Uh, some news that kind of came out today, and then obviously we're going to go over last week's uh, loss, latest loss to La Tech. <laughs> Anthony's shaking his head as I am too. And you then we're, we're going to dip into that, some, Yeah, he's about to crack open a six-piece. Hey, let's hat there, by the way. And also, too, we're going to cut into some UTEP basketball. I'm going to tease an article that I pretty much am, am done with, but haven't uh, published yet. Let me crack one with you then, bro. I, I left you hanging last week on the mic. So we're going to cover all that. But first off, let's start off with some of you tip football talk. But cheers. Cheers, to a, cheers to a solid podcast. First of all, let's talk some positive. Y'all want to get in the conversation, get in on the conversation. It's 347-934-0951. That's the call-in number. You can also find us on Twitter at SBN Minor Rush. Uh, you can email us. You can hit us up on the open thread on minorrush.com. Whatever works. Let's get it going, man. What you got? That's a solid so, so very solid interesting IPA. little story about this little Hopadillo IPA that comes out of uh, it's in Texas, Texas. Amarillo? It, it could be. Hopadillo, well, Hopadillo, Amarillo. but it could be. Um, Houston, I was at I was at Specs, going to pick up a sixer. Now, I happened to try a couple, like maybe two months ago, I, I happened to try a six-pack called El Chingon IPA. Badass IPA out of also out of East Texas somewhere. Um I was going back for that, and there happened to be a sales rep from this company looking for her beer, too. She was, like, looking for a beer to drink, and she's like, what are you looking for? I'm like, an IPA. She's like, well, this is the top-selling, supposedly a top-selling Texas IPA. So she's like, give it a try. Well, I did. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I think it's solid. I've, I've been, I've been tur- turning more to the craft like, beer. I like, I like, I like the podcast when we talk more about, about you know, IPAs and stuff like that. We can, we can have a podcast. We, we can talk we about it. We, we, me and you could probably podcast the about crocheting that, or stuff. We shouldn't even be doing a podcast with the way this football season is going, man. So that's what let's start. Let's start on a lighter note. Uh, something that really got me excited to see Sean Cougar do. Actually, kind of, you know, talk to Sean Cougar about this on the record. Obviously, I'm not going to say exactly what he said this off the record, but Deion Hankins has taken the El Paso High School football scene by storm. As most of y'all know, I do blog for ESPN 600, so I'm in the loop on this. And this kid, I seen him last year, and I was blown away. And as a freshman, I'm already thinking this kid has FBS potential. He only played four games. You come in this year, he's a third the nation's third leading rusher, 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, 8.9 per average carry. And, yes, you can look at, you know, who he's doing it against. He has – Parkland hasn't played 
elite teams in the state. They, they're probably the best team that they played so far. Defensively has been Delvaya High School. But UTEP got on this kid. They offered him, which is huge because, you know what, I think this kid's going to blow up. I think he's going to become a four-star, boring on a five-star type of recruit. And Sean Cougar kind of knows that this is going to be a tough get for them. But yeah. the guy is from El Paso. He's not a military kid. That's kind of the difference when you look at these prospects. As of recent, the military boom in El Paso has brought in some pretty good college football players, the college-level uh, players here, but they're out of town. This is an El Paso kid. I played with his with – his, with his, probably his cousins. That's what I think about. They're his cousins, the Hankins family. I mean, if, you, if you're from the Northeast, you know the Hankins boys. They ball. And so th- this is where I feel UTEP does have that slight advantage to get him because he's an El Paso kid. He's not a, a military guy from the East Coast or from the West Coast or from another part of Texas. He's an El Paso kid. And I think that is a slight edge for UTEP. Not only that, but obviously their offense. But you have Texas Tech that also offered. And this kid's going to rack up offers. I mean, he's just a sophomore. And the guy's hands are probably bigger than mine. You know, that, it's, it's, it's good to see them jump on this kid early. And I just hope that they recruit the hell out of him. Because I would hate to see him go anywhere else. But I'm going to root for this kid no matter what. I mean, watching the, watching the, the video on this kid, man, he's a slasher. He, 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 he can cut left and right, you know, on a dime. Um, Nice speed. What what impresses me the most, and I don't know how true these numbers are, because we know that on high school rosters, yeah. you always you always blow up those. Yeah, those high and, that, and that's something that we've dealt bit. with with, with you know what I mean? this year. But, I but right. at six one two oh five as a sophomore in high school, that is some great size. You know, if that's if that's real, if that's yeah, like, no, it's a yeah. I have to I stood shoulder to shoulder the kid. Yeah, and, the and then the six hundred pound squats is definitely something. That's that, something. Uh, well, okay. I mean, hey, if he could do it, yeah. That, and somebody commented on Twitter. I think you know. I think you know. Yeah. And, and, and I think there is there, there's a there's a video of him doing that. I just couldn't have time to find it, but I'm gonna find it and, and see if I could reply to Bill because yeah, that that was a big thing. And, and Coach Kirkland over that park and shout out to Coach Kirk doing a great job with that program. Confirmed that uh, you know, but this kid is special. I really think yeah. he's special. And you look at that video that I post on the rush. That's against Hanks. No, I mean Hanks is a, is one of the worst teams in Texas, but still, you see him start to evolve. I don't want to compare him to Aaron Jones, but maybe the the evolution of him because last year it was all speed. This year you're starting yeah, to see yeah, that. He's last got, this year. kid's got some breakaway speed, it's, though, man. He just opens it up. I'm telling you. And, and and sometimes the biggest thing that 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 kind of stood out to me is when Coach Kirkland told me. Sometimes he comes to the sideline and looks at me and says, "Coach, I didn't know I could do that." So this kid doesn't even know his potential. That's what's he's a scary. Man. Yeah, he's like and, and, he, and that mean, run right there, like Coach said, there was a run where he did some type of cut cut back, got a block, and, and went, and he's like, coach, I didn't know I could do that. And you think about that, and he's just a sophomore, and, and he's doing this against guys that are – I mean, a lot of these teams nowadays, they don't rely on the underclasses as much as they used to when I played. We did have a lot of underclasses. Some, some schools obviously are situation, but, I mean, this kid is talent. I think this is big time because he's only – think about it. He's only played 10 varsity games. Six varsity games where he started and grabbed carries. Last year, he was kind of a second option, and they ran a triple option at Parkland. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I think this kid's going to blow up, and you'll see him be a four-star sooner than later, oh, yeah. possibly over this summer, uh, over the offseason when he goes to more camps. I can guarantee you that. So definitely something. That, to me, that's just I a mean, big deal. To like, get. like you mentioned, it's going to be tough for Sean Coogler uh, to, to, to come up with this kid, especially as his recruiting starts to explode, as you would assume it would. But – Great, great numbers from him on the video. You know, watching his speed, his breakaway speed, his size. He's got, he's got vision. He's got patience. You know, you see some of the times where he's waiting behind his blockers oh. for his blockers to set things up. 
that's that you can't teach that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's not stuff that that you learn. I mean, that's just natural right there, and, and he's got it. And and not, I'm not I'm not comparing this at all because the kid's still a sophomore. But when you look at NFL guys, when you look at their high school film, you it see those like jets, bro. Yeah. And that's just a sophomore. And that's something that I've just been kind of looking at. Like this kid, kind of reminds me of of a guy. He played quarterback. I don't know if you remember. This was back in the in the late '90s. Uh, Rufus Brown that played oh, uh, for Florida State yeah. after Austin, but man, I mean that that guy had that kind of speed, you know what I mean? And and I remember watching him play even back from like the late eighties. Yeah. I remember seeing a couple of films. I mean, these are, these are talents that don't come very often. You know, Aaron Jones is certainly in that in that yeah, bunch. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But these are talents that don't come around so often. But yeah, it'd be great to see him in a UTEP uniform in a couple years. Let's move on though. Let's talk a little bit about what's actually going on right now with this team. Now, one and four on the season, a start that we kind of expected in a way. I mean, we didn't necessarily expect it to happen this way, but we thought it was very possible for this team to be one and four at this point. And what you're not going to hear on this podcast is applause for hanging with LaTeX in the, LaTeX in the fourth quarter. You know, it's, it, it, it's great to see defensively this team continue to progress, and we talked a lot about the defense and how much we like the defense, but there should be no moral victories in a year four Granted, there's new coordinators and whatnot, but this, just the struggle still remains the same. And, it, and it, to me, it falls on coaching, these holding penalties, uh, these lapses that, yeah. that we just see. And that is what's beating this team. And, and when you play, and we've probably said it before, and we're sounding like a, probably sound like a broken record, so we're not going to spend too much time on breaking this down. But when you're a team that runs this type of conservative offense where, and you don't have that explosive play or play, or, or just, the, the, you know, the know-how to get your playmakers the ball, these mistakes are going to get magnified because you're not putting up points. And that is just – it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see this this offense really just digress every week. Now, Ryan Metz did bring some energy on certain plays. He did play well. I would grade him out as probably a C plus. I still have – I think his decision-making was definitely questionable. Now, on I, maybe a defense or not really an excuse, but some of his mistakes to me, I'm no quarterback guru, but it just seemed like he was the game was a little bit quicker than him because there may have been some reps on certain plays that he hasn't gotten that maybe a guy like Zach Greenlee runs a little bit more. And that's where that's why I think Ryan Metz is that guy. We, we knew he was that guy. Not, not that he not, there's no news to us, but I just felt like this offense is just taking baby steps forward, but big chunks back with these big mistakes, these big mistakes that they're making. But Ryan Metz is that answer. You know, there, there was, it, it wasn't a flawless performance by Ryan Metz by any no. stretch of the imagination, but he did go 20 to 28 for 215 yards, one touchdown, one INT. I think that's pretty much better than, than and he did complete big, big explosive plays. That's I, I would say that's better than we've seen from, Zach Greenlee. And not only that, this was his first start. So he hasn't had the time to kind of get into a rhythm, uh, you know, as far as practicing with first teamers and getting into that flow of having that confidence and knowing that you're going to start, that you're going to be the guy. And, and it's, it's disappointing to see the way he went out of the game. Um, You know, we, we wish him the best hope, hope he's, he's ready to go. Obviously he's out this week, but hope he's ready to go soon. Um, But Another thing that, that I wanted to point out about him and his numbers are that there was a couple drops. Hayden Plink left, left, Hayden left, left about 30 out yards there. out there. And, you know, you talk about that. Those are, those are things that can change games because mm-hmm. all it takes is one play for Aaron Jones to, to, to break one, and, and it's a TD. And, and so when you leave yards out there like that and you stall drives like that, that hurts. It, it may, you know, it's not necessarily 
a given seven points or three points or anything like that, but it hurts. And it hurts the defense in the long run too. And I've talked about that plenty. I'm a broken record when it comes to talking about putting the defense out there. But, you know, Ryan Metz played a, a, a solid game, I think about as good as you could have expected him to. Um, he wasn't afraid to make mistakes, which is something that we, we knew of him and that we like with him. I'm not sure Sean Kugler liked it so much. <laughs> but it, it's, it's something that we, we see in him and that, you know, I think we just know, like you said, he is the answer for us right now. I, you know, I don't know that long-term Ryan Metz is the quarterback. I don't know if we're going out trying to find some other pieces to put in play. But, you know, right now he is the answer for this team. And, and the Miners have the most successful chance of being – or the, the best chance of being successful with him under center. So we'll see how that goes. I, I want to say a couple things. You know, last week we talked about it, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn in any way, but uh, I, I, I basically said that this team would not put up 50 points against the Miners. And I figured that, you know – it would be, you know, they have somewhere in the 30s is what I said. I was close. And I said that UTEP might cover, which I think they did in the end. But regardless of all that, the point of it is that the defense played pretty well for the most part. You know, there was the one big let up. You're talking about, I think it was 14-7 at the time. You know, you get to within seven points. 14-0. You get it to within seven. And then next first play, you just, I mean, give up a 75-yard house. I mean, you just, you can't do that. You cannot do that. And so that was the one letdown of this defense. But overall, they played a pretty good game. They kept us in it, um, even when the offense wasn't able to muster much for the first half of the game. Um, you know, there's, there are some bright spots to look at, but it's still disappointing. This team's four and, uh, one and four at this point, and really just so many questions along that offensive uh, uh, on that offense. Yeah, and, and the two, you know, it's easy to come here and, and rip the coaches. We could, we, we've done that plenty of times over the years with Sean Cougar, but I want to give them – Props because this week they made the biggest uh, reported the bit reporting in practice the biggest change and that's on the offensive line with this reshuffling. It's huge. Let's break it down real quick. Tanner Stallings moves to center. This is a guy that we were really high on when he committed last year. A very skilled offensive lineman. When I talk about his footwork, you move over Darren Gatewood, who's another good athletic offensive lineman, and then you move John De La Rosa, who's a big guy, but for a right tackle is athletic. Key words there, athletic. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take an, an NFL offensive line coach. It, it takes just a blogger like me showing that, you know what, UTEP's offensive line is slow as hell. When you're holding, when, when, you got, when you can't pick up a linebacker in the second level, which has been a big struggle for this team, outside of what I've seen Greg Long do at right guard, that's where you got to make your adjustments. And I give Sean Cougar a lot of props because you're, you're shuffling guys around that have been starters in that in those right guard center positions and are comfortable there. But he, that's that sense of urgency that we talked about of making these drastic moves. To me, that's a drastic move yeah. to start yeah, a, bring, bring in a guy like Tanner Stallings, started center who's never started a D1 game, has that, that athletic ability at the Juco level. And then you move over, arguably one of your best linemen, Darren Gatewood to the right, to right guard. And then you're starting a true freshman at left tackle. You know, and of course, we all know what Will Hernandez could do at left guard, but that's a positive. I think that can help in some ways. I think that may, where it's going to help, possibly bringing down those holding penalties. Maybe you get guys that are quicker, better with their hands. I really like the skills that, that Tanner Stallings brings at center, and that could help. Gatewood, like we mentioned, is another solid offensive lineman. De La Rosa has just gotten better and better, and he's been banged up. So that is a big kudos to that offensive line. Against a team like FIU, these type of adjustments should work. Now, against a lot tech in the Southern Miss, the jury's going to be fully out until 60 minutes are played. It. But against a team like FIU, 
these adjustments should really help. And that's not taking away anything from FIU. We'll get into them. I, I like a, a pair of their linebackers. But I think that's a very positive move for Sean Cougar to be proactive on that first day of practice and moving these guys around. I just want everybody to realize one thing real quick as far as this podcast goes. Alex is running with no laptop right now. So he's freestyling. So he's got no notes. He's got no you can't go out and look up some sources and, and find, you know, websites and, and whatnot. But he's going off of the dome, so that's that's pretty good right there. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. And it, it, it's still yet to be seen what this offensive line can do because there's been, you know, it, it's, it's things that we're not used to yeah. with them. You know, the inability to, to just be sound fundamentally, to, to not commit penalties. And dominate. Be, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, open up holes. Another thing that I've noticed, man, and, and I know that, you know, you can look at the numbers, and from the outside looking in, you just see Aaron Jones and his number 650 yards or whatever it is. You know, it, looks, five in the it looks great. It looks great. But the truth of the matter is that he's having trouble finding his hole. And this is the past two weeks against against good athletes. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say good defense. I'm going to say very good athletes at Southern Miss. And no yeah. doubt about it. And he's having trouble finding those holes. And that's something that we haven't seen from Aaron Jones so far in his career. And, and, and maybe these offensive line changes are what we need to get that spark, open up some holes for him, and get the offense going. Because if Aaron Jones isn't going, and again, I realize the numbers say otherwise, but if you really take a step back and look at it, you know, when you watch a complete game, you'll notice his struggles. Yeah. You know, he's going to break one for 30 or 40 yards, and he's going to end up getting his 100. But, you know, we're used to him averaging, you know, every play, 6, 7, 12, 15, 6, 8, you know, all over the place, getting his yards on every single carry. And there's a lot more times, it's happening a lot more frequently, where he's not, where he's being held to only a couple yards, three, four yards, which is still decent, you know, when he's talking but, about yeah, it. But the problem, yeah, not, not just that, but the problem is he's your whole offense. And so you can't rely on three yards of carry. You know, so you, you just there's there's still some questions to be answered. Maybe these things that they're these changes that they're making are going to help. Um, but man, I, you know, for for Sean Kugler, you know, the whole thing that he's preached since he's been here, you know, and his whole thing of of building an offensive line that can open up any hole, it, it just it's not happening right now. And and so that needs to improve if this team's going to have any chance of making you know turning the corner here, starting in game five. Or I guess game six. And to Jones's credit, I mean, obviously he's hurt. You know, those this this is not just a last week thing. You look back to that Southern Miss game too. Outside of that big run, even going back to the Texas game. Now, albeit it's Texas, but Texas. I mean, we're seeing that they're not that great defensively Correct. when when they meet their makers. You know what I mean? In that case, so it is. It, it's a big time issue. But I, I really got to give Sean Cougar, you know, some sort of credit for identifying that. And, and, and being accountable and making those changes, like I said, it's it's not it's doing it at the right time. If you wait one more week and and you get your ass kicked offensively by FIU, it's dumpster fire. So it's definitely it's good to see these type of changes come on. You know, you just you got to wonder what's going to happen this weekend. I mean, I, I I'm trying to look at this game and, and you know, UTEP is favored. Vegas opened up at two and a half. I think it's up to five now on some books. But I mean. Th- I don't know how this game's going to go. I really don't. I, I really just am kind of clueless. I don't know which UTEP team is going to was going to show – what UTEP offense is going to show up. I know UTEP's defense is going to be there. They've pretty much been there for most of the part. I, I keep canceling out that Army game. I may be wrong in doing that. But, I mean, I just – what are you looking at when you look at this game? It, I really feel this game is could be either a shootout because neither team will be able to stop the run or it will be an offensive struggle because neither team can move the ball. I mean, it, it could go any way in between those two. I just – I don't see either – let me just say that I don't see no, either I team mean, blowing look, each other out. I, you know what? 
I, I actually think UTEP should cover very easily. I really do. Because Aaron Jones? Well, Aaron Jones, obviously. But when you really when you take a step back and look at the numbers, FIU ranks pretty much outside the top 100 in a lot of major offensive categories. They're pretty bad. You know, scoring offense, rushing offense, I think they're just inside. Passing offense, they're just outside of the top you know, 100. So this is a team that doesn't have an identity offensively. And this is – you know, when you look at the UTEP defense, we've talked about the bright spots that they've had, you know, game in and game out. They've had some tough matchups. I mean, you talk about the last stretch that we've played of Texas, Army, uh, Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech. Those are four tough offenses. Dynamic offense. Dynamic and different, too. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Like, you talk about Texas, who's very well-rounded. You talk about Army, who's just run-heavy, but it's tough to read, you know, all those options. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things going on. <clears throat> and with the exception of the Army game, this team has done – the defense has done pretty well. It's you know? done its job, it's I guess. Done its job. Yeah. It's done its job. And so this is an opportunity for them to kind of take that next step forward. You know, this is that type of defense – I mean, that type of offense where they can thrive, in my opinion, because this offense doesn't know what it wants to do. They're not finding any success in the passing game. They're not finding any success in the run game. So this is a chance for the minor defense to step up, keep this team, you know, under – 20 points, you know, probably 14, 17 points. And, and that will get, let the offense do its thing. And, and I think, I mean, what you said three points, is that the line? I th- well, it opened at two and a half. I think it's, it now it's moved up to five. I'm even at the that, last time I looked, but. even at that, this should be a game where UTEP is, I mean, if we can't put up 24 points against this team, we yeah. got some real issues, I, you know, we I, got some real issues. I, I fully agree. What, what concerns me, when we talk about defense, hey, Joe Torrey's in the first row at the Mets game. Interesting. Uh, what really concerns me is that I watched FIU last week really just punish FAU with the run game. And and you talk, you made a great point to back up my point that I'm going to make where we've seen different styles of offense. What what really concerns me about FIU is, is the way that they use their tight ends with against a 3-4 defense. When they were running against FAU and this, they have a new coach. I, we didn't even mention that. They fired – well, we did mention it in the past podcast talking about Conference USA football, but this new coach, Ron Cooper, has kind of instilled this physical type of being that they are. You know, he go, he's an old-school coach. He was an FBS coach back in the 90s. They're kind of a run-first guy, and it scares me to see them go double tight end and be able to get four or five yards to carry for FAU because UTEP has not seen that. That's the only thing that I'm worried about. Like you mentioned, the stats show that they – it's either a mixture of identity or talent. I think it's a mixture of both in terms of their passing game. But offense, but defensively, I'm concerned with those tight ends against our 3-4 defense and without Alvin Jones. If Alvin Jones is at 60-50%, and I think that's been UTEP's issue of stopping the run is because Alvin Jones hasn't been there. And that's really the only excuse I can say, you know, minus Alvin Jones on the defensive side. It's just – UTEP hasn't been as effective in stopping the run with them. And that really concerns me. Seeing these two tight end sets, something that we haven't gone up against all year long, that's going to be a, a, a major point that I'm going to look at. And also, Alex Gardner isn't a bad bat. I would put him kind of on that outside of the top five list of Conference USA backs. Had a 100-yard game last week. They had also had Anthony Jones was another guy that ran for about 90 yards. And then they were, they were popping runs with what we've struggled with all year defending, the read option. We mixed with that double tight, three tight end power looks that that we're, they're looking at. Where basically we're going to be out, we're going to be outmanned until that second level or until the point of contact. So that is really what concerns me, and that's why I, when I said earlier, where I feel this game could be a shootout because UTEP may struggle 
until they make adjustments and stopping that with that double tight end. It's a probably still a spread. They run a lot of shotgun. You'll see a variation of of, of some uh, oh, I'm looking for of a pistol formation with the read option, running back coming downhill. But I think that is going to be something schematically that UTEP may have to adjust real quick because Gardner, he's not really a speedster. He's shifty, and we've seen how sometimes these UTEP linebackers have trouble with those shifty backs going the last week with Jared Kraft and then the weekend before with Edo Smith. So that's my big concern defensively when you look at what FIU actually does. You know, you can sit here and break down the numbers and, and talk about, you know, what strengths each team has and, you know, what should happen or, or, or what you think might happen. But the truth is that when it comes down to it, I mean, this – this UTEP team, I mean, this is do or die time for them. That's the name of the and you podcast. Could probably, you know, you could, if, if FIU guys are having a podcast right now, they could probably be saying the same yeah. thing about their program. A lot of one and four teams around the the, the the truth is, I mean, you're coming back home. You've had a tough go at things early on. You've had your struggles on both sides of the ball. But you've got a home game against a one and four team that is having trouble stopping the run, stopping the pass. You know, uh, you should be able – to, to find some success offensively in this game. And I think the biggest key, again, I, for, for UTEP's defense is just is their offense. I mean, if their offense is playing well, this defense feeds off of that and they play well. And, and so I just think, you know, numbers aside, this is just a game where you, UTEP just has to go out there and just get it. Like, it's there for the – you know, whoever wants this game, this is one of those games that are like, if you want it more, you're going you're gonna to get the win. These are two struggling teams. Whoever wants it more is going to take it. We've got the home field advantage, which I don't even know what kind of advantage it is when you talk about 15,000 people. And 80% chance you of know, rain, which is going to kill it, may bring that 15,000 down. You know, maybe that favors us. You know, Aaron Jones, yeah. you know, you hand, you hand 2-9 the ball and, and, and let, it, let it go from there. I mean, uh, I don't know what else to say about the, this, the, man. The, the, the positive thing that I, – I mean, I don't even know if it's positive because – you know, you just don't know with this offense. But according to the times, that Gre- according to the times in, in Sean Coogler, Zach Greenlee's finally healthy. Now he didn't look healthy to me. I mean, he was he was a little bit more adequate when, in that two minute drill towards the end of the game. Now he did fumble, but you know, I, I looked at that fourth and four when he came in, and it's tough. It's tough to, to for him to come in that situation. But that was a hurt Zach Greenlee when I look at that pass. That, yeah, that, was, oh, that no was a hurt. So I don't know. It wasn't even close. It yeah, it was. Close. So I don't know how in three or four days. I mean, not. I mean, granted, these are twenty-two-year-old so top so like athletes. Thing, but here's my thing though with Zach Greenlee. Like, is it has it been the injuries or is it just that he's just maybe not the quarterback we thought he was? It, it could be both. You know, because starting off. Uh, he may not have been healthy to start the season, but starting off in that MSU game, there were already those throws that were high. It's kind of progressively got Throwing a off little his worse. Foot, it's more yeah, than we talked about. That was that. a that was we that's a big thing that. because that's something that you can correct. And now, now getting thrown into the game in the fourth quarter and trying to go out there, uh, you know, you can't judge yeah, anybody exactly. either way on those type things unless it's Ryan Metz against NMSU last year when you're throwing in and you had like 98 yards. And, I mean, that's, that's yeah. some real stuff. But, you know, you can't go out there and say, oh, he overthrew a pass, you know, fresh off the bench, cold. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't judge a guy on that. But if he's healthy, then we see what he's actually got to offer. You know, maybe he's better than we've seen. Maybe he has been injured this whole time, and that's what it's been. But like you said, to see that or, you know, to, to think that he's gone from what he was on Saturday and now a week he's going to be something completely different, that's kind of hard for me to believe, but, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And, and like I said, it just – that's why I said that, that throw, he just didn't look like the, Zach, the healthy Zach Greenlee. Because, yeah, you're right. You can't – you know, we're not going to sit here and judge him on that, but that just looked like the Zach Greenlee that struggled. 
Yeah. You know, the, because of health, it's not because, and like you said, could it be that, you know, I, I was going back to some of these Fresno articles that they would write about him. And I mean, this is a guy that had some pretty rough games, you know, where he completed just 40%, 47% of passes and threw two multiple interceptions. So we could be getting, you know, the best of both worlds of Zach Greenlee of where he's not healthy. Man, he just isn't that guy. But the, the positive thing is Sean Cougar admitted that Ryan Metz is the guy going forward when he gets back healthy. And and that is great because we we felt like maybe he was getting you know, slighted. Me, he could have been. Maybe he was a, a price recruit. We're just throwing wait, let me, let me theories out there. Let me ask something because this is the first thought that came into my head when I when I saw that tweet or whatever it was. I think you put out a tweet right away. Or, yeah. Or somebody know, somebody yeah. put out a tweet and I saw it and it said that he would be the starter. Do you think that's the easy line for Sean Kugler? to say when he knows Ryan Metz is hurt and when he, when he knows a thing like a concussion can drag on, I mean, it could, it could, you would hope it's one week. It could be two, three, four, five weeks before he's back. And I, and I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that. Hell yes. Not only that, but right after the game, he's saying Ryan's going to miss time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 like I, I get what you're saying from that presser, but I'm going to say yes, going back to what he said, what he told Tysh after the game where he was quick to be like, he's going to be out before even knowing how serious that was. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it just it just strikes me, man. Like, nope. it, you know, we've, we've seen what Sean Cooler has done his whole time here with the homie hires and the homie starts and whatnot. It's not a lie. We're not, we're not, we're not going off the wall with that. No, exactly. It, it, it's, we're it's, not just it's, being it's track record. And so <laughs> when I see that, like, oh, right away, it's like, yes, Ryan will be our starter. It's like the easy answer because you know people want him out yeah. there. So he's pleasing and your approval rating, quote unquote, goes exactly. up. Exactly. So you're bit. pleasing those people by saying something like that when you know goddamn well that he's gonna be out for an extended amount of time, and then that kind of buys you the opportunity to see what Zach Greenley has. Yeah. And if Zach Greenley is able to play well, well then now you have a reason to say, well, yeah, I thought Ryan was our guy. Well, we got to go with a hot hand, like like exactly. he said before. Exactly. So Quoting him, it's calculated. Hand. That's what I feel like. It's very calculated. And so, hey, if Zach Greenlee plays, well, look, I don't, I, I'm not a, like, it's not like I'm here and I just really want Ryan Metz to play quarterback. I want UTEP to have the best opportunity yeah. to win. And so, if Zach Greenlee stuns me and shocks me and come out and sh- and shows something that we haven't seen so far, great. Great. I would love for him to start and take this team to a six or seven win season. That's impossible. Um, but, you know, from what I've seen so far, Ryan Metz gives us a much better opportunity. And this is the start of a, a, a stretch where the rest of your opponents are a combined 10 and 24. I mean, this, we've talked about turning points of the season. This is the turning point of the season, honestly. We talked about the stretch before. You know, with that, with Southern Miss, with La Tech, but this is the the turning point, not the turning stretch. The turning point. The rest of your opponents are ten and twenty four this year. Yeah. No one is is unbeatable on this on the rest of the slate, and and any team on that on the rest of the schedule can beat UTEP just as easy because of how bad we've been offensively. So I'm at, I pose this to you: What happens Saturday? We'll get to FIU before we move on to. Other I mean, I, I really think we find a way to pull this game out. I mean, I, I just 
I have, you know, call me a homer or whatever, but I just feel like this is, like I said, this is an opportunity for us to take advantage of a situation where you have a team that's one in four that's struggling to find its way offensively and defensively. And yes, they came off a pretty solid win over FAU where they were able to find success on the ground. But you look at what they've done so far. They lost to Indiana. They lost to Maryland. They lost to UMass. I mean, and the UMass loss, UMass is not very good this year, okay? Because in in the the past couple of years, they've been decent, but not this year. They should have put a point in. UCF isn't that great. And they got smashed by UCF. So, I mean, and look, you could look at that and look at the UTEP schedule, uh, the UTEP schedule, and it's pretty much the exact yeah, same carbon copy. Yeah. So you know, but the thing is, like, we've seen what this defense can do. We've seen our defense hold Louisiana Tech to 14 points for three and a half quarters, or whatever it was. We've seen them do the same thing with Southern Miss, where it was 21 points for three quarters. You know, we've seen this team in stretches and stretches play extremely well. So when they have a chance to play a lesser opponent. I really think we're going to have a chance to, to do well. I, I think this team is going to hold – I think the defense is going to hold FAU, uh, FIU to 14 to 17 points, and I think the offense is going to find a way to score 24-27, and it's going to be a 10-point win. That's really what I think, 24-14, 27-17, somewhere in that range. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say – Here we go. And go opposite. Here we go. Because I'm just not convinced. I'm, but, but your point is right that you should be able to do this. this, this that's what should happen. Yeah. I just don't see – I don't see UTEP stopping their run game. I don't see it at all. I, I, as good as this defense has been, I, I just I, – I'm, I'm basing it off of what I saw last week against when they played FIU and just how physical they were and how effective they were. And I just think that it's going to be a close game. I, I mean, think it's going to be a close game. You talk about a team game. that's – I'm not even trying to argue or anything. You, for all we know, you're right. You know, we're, we could get, go out there and not be able to stop them. That's what we've seen so far. Yeah. But you're talking about an offense that's only – Averaged 150 yards on the ground a game, and I say only because their best contest was this past week. And yeah, that that and played it through numbers where their where their numbers went up, you know. So before that, they were bottom of the nation, you know. But we'll see what happens, you know. So give me give me it right here. What's the what's the prediction? I'm gonna say score. I'm, I'm gonna go a weird score on this one. 21 to 18. I think we kick a couple field goals. I think we could – honestly – You think we kick six field goals? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I'm going to I'm gonna predict so that we AJ score a defensive touchdown. Yeah, he's going to break, break one, one, and we're going to score a defensive touchdown. Okay. Those, are, those are two hot hot predictions I'm going to okay. give in this game. All right. So, so Alex got 21-18. I got 27-17. We'll come back we're and compare. We're, we're in the ballpark. We'll, we'll come back and compare. I, I, but, but I'm on I, the other side of – or you're saying we're going to win? I think we're going to lose. I'm on the other side of the fence, but – We'll come back and compare notes next week. Let's move on, though, man. I'm tired of football. Let's talk a little bit of basketball. Um, you got a post out right now uh, with Omega Harris talking about his growing uh, from last really season. Good interview. Adversity. Talk to us about I'm it. I'm impressed with that. This is UTEP Athletics. Have y'all check it out, man? I think it's some good stuff that they put up there. Omega basically sits down, and I've interviewed Omega. I mean, what, 60 times? over the past couple of years. And I've always thought him as one of those playful type of cats, but Omega was so sincere because you, 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 you've interviewed Omega too. You know, he could be a little bit, you know, smiley. He can be a little jokester. That, that's his nature. That's personal. And that's not wrong. But in this particular interview, I saw a mature young man, like a young man that gets it now. And, and, and I get, I, I'm going to base this off of and give credit to Dominic artist because he gives DA a lot of love, because D.A. has always been that type of role model. Now, he had his 
whatever that shit happened in Oregon. It's under the water now, but I've seen so many recruits that always tweet about how DA was a figure to them, a, a role model figure. And I think that is a big part of Omega Harris's transition. And that, well, if you listen to that interview, stopping whatever I was doing this afternoon, I had a crazy afternoon, but those three minutes just made me feel good about the young man. Not so, I'm not, I'm not here saying about this season, but it makes me feel good about where the young man is mentally because we know he's got the skill. We saw his, his shooting abilities last year. And to hear that out of his mouth, and, and not only that, but to see his body language where he wasn't joking. He wasn't taking this interview with Jeff Darby behind the camera just as a joke. He was really sincere. And that, that was a very, very positive mark to see. A guy that I've been talking about the past two times we talked basketball, Omega Harris has to average 15 points. He needs to shoot in the 40%. He needs to be able to get to the free throw line. And he needs to be that spark plug defensively and forcing steals and forcing open floor opportunities. So I'm impressed just off this interview just the maturity level of this young man from where I've seen him the past two years as a youngster, like I said, kind of that jokester kind of mentality. And that's not wrong. I'm shit, I'm a clown in my other half. So it's just, but it's good to see him in, in that type of setting where they asked him a tough question about going through what he went through last year and sitting out. And he answered it the way you supposed to, not just because of, of a script, but I can sincerely feel that this guy's turned a corner mentally, and that could pay dividends for UTEP's backcourt. <laughs> you know, and, and notice, no and I'm going to be careful how I word things with this UTEP no, basketball team, and, and it's not about, oh, that's going to be a three-win difference. No, that's going to help UTEP's backcourt, which we hope helps to win come, come, come mid-December, yeah, I mean, yeah, early January. There's, there's, there's tons of questions about the basketball team. There's no doubt about that, but that was perfectly said. Um, we've seen the struggles that this kid has had off the courts, off the court. And, and so to see him, you know, take that stride and mature just a little bit is definitely promising and it will pay dividends if it is real. Yeah. I'm not saying anything bad about the kid. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being a jokester like you talk yeah, about, not- you know, and, and, and having a sense of humor and joking around. I'm the same way, to be honest with you. I mean, even at work, you know, Aside from that, though, we won't go off in the You better say, I'll be grabbing my brother. I was like, you know what, man, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. But no, seriously, like, you know, I can see see what you're talking about with him. But there comes a point where, you know, as an athlete, you have to make a decision. Like, am I here to just kind of play my four years and then get out and go do something else? I'm not saying Omega's going to go to the NBA. He may mean he may not. I don't know. But I'm saying, like, there, there comes a point where you decide whether or not it's it's really something you want to focus on and get serious about and, and stop the joking, you know, and come out and really try and really prepare and go out there and play. And, and he's at that point right now. I mean, he's already had some issues, and he's been in the doghouse multiple He's been close times. to not being on this team. He, and, 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 and at a lot of other programs, he might not be yeah. on the team, you no. know. So he's had those issues. But – you don't want to see a kid fail. I mean, you know what I mean? Like for, for even the little issues that we know about, like you never want to see a kid fail for stuff like that. You know, you want to see them learn and grow from that. Cause in the end, that's what this is all about. But you know, there comes a point where, where either you just kind of continue on and go through the motions of like, I'm a, I'm a college basketball player or you get serious about it. You know, you mature, you get serious and you go out and prepare. And I think if what we see in this interview is the real deal then we will see that translate into him, you know, his preparation improving, his off-the-court issues improving, and him on the court turning into the player that we know that he can be on a regular basis. Again, like we talked about, or like I said, there's, there's, there's too many questions 
to even talk about in the in this hour long podcast, you know, about the basketball team. And a lot of that won't be answered until we see these players come out and, and play, you know. But if Omega Harris has started to mature and, and turn that corner in that sense, yeah, I mean, I think he can get into that player that averages fifteen points a game and really help this team. So with so many questions, I got a block. And by the way, I do like the DA point because that's something that, that you can't I mean Intangible. We, we we knew what we got with Da on the court when he when he transferred, but yeah, those those intangibles. And he's those been things, he's I been mean, like the perfect role model. And not even court. not even just Omega, you know. But you talk about Dion Barrett, Terry Wynn, Terry, even Terry Wynn. But you talk about a lot of these young cats that come in. They get to learn from a kid or a, you know a man. I should yeah, say. Yeah, he's, he's he's a senior. He's 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 proven. He has an NBA workout um, regimen. <laughs> you know, you you talk about you get to learn from that type of player that that has matured to that level, has gone through his own struggles in the past, has put them behind him, and has matured to that level. And that's something that is just, you know, it's it's invaluable, you know. So great great to see from DA and, you know, passing it on to Omega and these younger kids. Definitely. I mean, that's that's going to be a key, man. But so like I said, tomorrow I got, a, I got a blog post coming out where I post – I did five questions, but I have four questions and a major statement. <laughs> you like doing that. You I like love doing it. that. I love it. It's teasing. It's teasing. So I, I post – Four questions, and I and I and and I, I'm, I'm I it's a, it's a, que- a fifth question, but it's more of a statement about Tim Floyd, and I, and I I, I I took the gloves off on this one. I'm not done with it. I still have to finish off that paragraph because I needed to sleep and I needed to get my mind right. You know what I mean? So so here's the first four, and I want I want to know what's the most important to you. My first question was, how long will Williams hold up, or or, or how will Matt Williams hold up? Number two, outside of Terry Wynn. DA and Omega, who else produces? Number three, how is UTEP going to improve that rebounding and defensive struggle that they had last year? And then number four, pretty much an obvious cupcake question, who, which freshman emerges? So out of all of those four questions, what's the most important one to you just to see this team kind of – not? No, no, let, me, let me reward it. To see this, what's that most important question for this team to compete and that top six of Conference USA? Those are all really great questions, like, when talking about this team. But to me, the one that sticks out the most is the first one, Matt Wilms. You and know, that's number one. <laughs> you're talking about a guy that has, you know, pretty much the most experience, I guess, or has been here the longest out of just about anybody on this team at this point. In this program. You know, so he's been around for a few years already. Um, but more than that, we don't have the depth, you know, with our bigs to, to proven depth. You have a big guy behind him, but yeah. Terry wins. Exactly Terry wins great. Saying. Terry wins great. You know, Terry, he's not a true five. Yeah. And so we don't have that depth to be able to lose Matt. And, and so I think really, you know, if this team is going to have any chance to succeed, Matt Williams has to be there for the vast majority of the season and at least 25 minutes a game. And, and you know? are, are you thinking more on a defensive Everything. We still haven't found the pieces offensively. Right. We still haven't found the answers defensively. You know, the thing that, that, that we haven't even seen from Matt, though, to be honest with you, is a true ability to, to dominate in the paint. And, you know, and not only just scoring, but even rebounding and shot blocking and things like that. But he's the only guy that we have that has that opportunity because I don't even know if it's an ability yet. Yeah. I mean, you would think he can do it, but that's why I say opportunity because if I if he had done it in the past, then we know he had the ability. So that's the one guy that is going to be able to give us a chance to, to do that kind of stuff, to, to shot block, to rebound consistently. 
um, outside of Terry Wynn, obviously. So that, for me, is just so important. If Matt Williams is able to stay healthy, to me, it's five more wins. It's five more wins. That's, I mean, that's, that's, it, that's how impactful his presence will be. You know, just, just having a seven-footer in the lane, it, it changes a, an offensive game plan for other teams. You know, they're not able to attack or not as comfortably attack. You know, when you've got a guy to go up against that you're worried about blocking your shot, whether he is a true shot blocker or not. He alters us. Yeah, we've he, talked about that before. So, for me, yeah, that, that's where it's at with Matt Williams. He's got to be there. He's one be one there. of the things that I, when I, that I, 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 like I said, I finished four of the four and a half of us. I got the Floyd rant that I'm going on. and Oh, man, I'm fired up for that Floyd rant. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I looked at when I, when I, when I posed the question, who's going to emerge production-wise? Outside of, of the big three, we'll call them the big three, you know, whatever. We'll think of a name or the a nickname. I'll think of something. But t- Trey Touchette and Jake Flaggard, those are two guys. Like, you can easily go and say, oh, Paul Thomas or Deion Barry or Adrian Moore. But more so, I'm going to put that blog pressure or whatever. You know, we're the only guys that really talk about Utah basketball. So, you know, I just feel like those two guys are the key to five more five more wins like you mentioned with Matt Williams, because you got a guy like Thagger that can come out there and, and, and shut down the team's leading score because he has that six, seven length ability. He took 18 charges last year. Not only that, but you know, this is another thing that I wrote in that article. He looks like a specimen, dude. I've seen some pictures of him. This guy is chiseled. He is in shape. His shoulders, his neck are manly. And that physicality on the defensive end is going to be huge mixed with his ability to knock down shots. So that's what I'm looking for for Thagger. Eight to ten points, two to three rebounds, being able to shoot the ball at a high percentage and just bring that energy on defensive end. Now, Trey Touchette, I'm going to be asking for a little more. I'm going to ask for him. It's tough to do at the college level, but I think Utah's going to need Trey Touchette to average ten points off the bench. They're going to need him to come in, knock down two or three three-pointers. He showed that small ability of being able to get into the lane. Wasn't as effective as you wanted it to be as a freshman guard coming in there. But if you can do that and get to the free throw line, that spells Dominic Artis. That spells uh, Harris, where Tim Floyd is reluctant to go to the bench more if DA picks up an early foul because you're getting production from a guy like Touche. And I think those two guys, because they're veterans, because they've been in the program, and because they showed glimpses last year, I think those two guys are going to be very, very important. For this team to compete in Conference USA, notice our wording on this team, guys. Yeah. We're not going to hype this team up. There's too many questions to come out here and say this team should make it all the way like we've had in the past. Yeah. Because in the past, it was warranted. It was just a failure. This year, there's just little things that have to happen for this team to just compete. And I think getting that type of production off the bench from Trey Touchette, more so Trey Touchette because Jake Flagger could end up starting and playing a different role on this team than what we think of because I'm pretty yeah. sure the coaches are hiring them. But what do you think about those I two? Mean, that, me, that's asking for, a lot, but I think these guys now three, four years in the program, it's time. It's time for those. You know, for Jake Flagger, he's definitely he's, – it's time for him to step up, and he would be an X factor for this team if he does. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's we're, – we're, we're talking about where to find production because you know what you're going to get out of Omega and Dominic and Matt if he's healthy and Terry. But outside of that, there's not a lot known. And so, you know, Jake Flaggard is a guy that at times has shown that he can shoot, shown that he can get into the lane. I think I, I expect a lot more of him than I do of, of uh, Trey. Because, look, Trey, last year, don't get me wrong, the guy played extremely well when he was put in there. He was able to spell dominant. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. But he wasn't he, – he was an offensive liability. Yeah. 
you know. And a defensive, depending on the matchup. That's true. Well. That's true. And so, you know, he was able to take care of the basketball and not make mistakes. But outside of that, he didn't do a whole lot. And what I think hampers him the most is his size. You know, not only is he a little smaller for a guard. <laughs> excuse me. Bless oh, you. Not only is he a little smaller for a guard at the Division One level, um, but his physicality is there either. You know, he's not the most physical guy that's going to drive the lane and body somebody up and get to the rim. And I had one! You're not going to see that from him. And so, you know, you'd hope he continues to progress. Obviously, he was a freshman last year. He made some progress. Definitely. definitely. So, hopefully, hopefully you know, he'll continue to progress. But I'm expecting more out of, out of Flaggart than I am Trey at this point. I mean, if Trey Touchette shows up, then that's more than then it, Yeah, exactly. Like that's something you're not counting on, so that's just that much better. So, you, so you think you think that Floyd and, and company are gonna probably have to? I, you know, I let me just scratch that. They're gonna have to rely on Flagger. You don't have Urban Morris. Yeah. You don't have Josh McSwiggan now supposed to step in. So you're right. I, I see that now. I see that. And and. and if we don't bring up Isaiah Osborne, if you That's missed a couple, pa- if, you, if, if, a if you missed a couple podcasts, like we're not counting him in right now. No, not at like, all. Like, like I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, like we told you guys before, if you listen, we don't have any sources that give us updates like before, where I could throw a text and answer within thirty seconds. We don't know right now. I, even in that write up tomorrow, I'm I, I throw a disclaimer in there. I've thrown a disclaimer on everything so far, Utah basketball. Until we get a definitive answer on his eligibility, and it, it's sad because I think the kid can help scoring wise and athletic, and offensively more than defense, and maybe even some rebounding. But that time will come, you know. Obviously, if he's eligible, but I just don't see it right now. We've talked about it here before, where we feel like there could be something that comes along where he's not eligible. It, it just it, you just kind of get used to it with these Tim Floyd coach teams, and and you know, obviously that's easy to say and easy to throw Tim under the bus, but it's the truth. Yeah, no doubt about it, but. You know, I was going to sidestep there and talk about Isaiah. It, you know, we don't have any updated information, unfortunately. But, you know, that's something to keep an eye on because this team is, is looking for pieces to put in play. And aside from all the guys we talked about, if he is able to go, he should be a guy that can come out and give you 20 minutes a game, maybe 15 and to score, 20 that? and score. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe turn into a player that you can really rely on. I mean, that's still yet to be seen. But from the good things that they've seen, you know, with him out at what was that? Windsor, Windsor Academy or something. Windsor Canada. Um, you know, if he's able to, to do anything near what he was able to do out there, I mean, this kid could be something special. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Practice starts tomorrow. Practice starts tomorrow, starts and tomorrow. season is is not too far away. But let's uh, let's end the YouTube talk, man. Let's just you know, let's get out of it. I'm ready. Let's talk about this uh, Conference USA Football Power Rankings. How many first-place votes did we get for UTEP this week? Nada, zero, zilch, nine. Not a damn thing. Shockingly, Middle Tennessee steps up into first place with seven first-place votes, four and one, two and zero. Oh. It was crazy. It was this was a fun poll this week. This I thought this was really fun just I'm, looking at it develop because Southern Miss had like eight or nine second-place votes, but. Middle Tennessee, I think they've I think they've impressed a lot of people. I, I personally, I want to know where you went. I went Southern Miss one, Western Kentucky two, Middle Tennessee three. Where'd you go? No, I mean, in my book, Western Kentucky is still one. Yeah, Southern so and, and right. Southern Miss is still two. And until anybody in conference, you know, outside of a team like Alabama, yeah. you know, knocks them off, 
they're, they're the best team in this conference. And I think that, that as conference play opens up, we're going to start to see that again. We're going to start to see them putting up a whole lot of points, as you did against this week is Houston huge. Baptist. But, this week against um, Louisiana Tech. That's yeah, a big game for them. No, no doubt about it. I mean, that'll, to me, that'll solidify them as the number one team, especially with Middle Tennessee off. But you got Middle, you got Middle Tennessee one, which in my opinion – I'm not sold on just yeah, yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sold yet. Uh, but you got Middle Tennessee one, Western Kentucky two, Southern Miss three, and, and Southern Miss has a game at UTSA where that's it. I, you know, it's an interesting game yeah. for a lot of reasons. But I look at that Rice win. What do you make of that? Forty-four twenty-eight. I mean, honestly, they had three turnovers and they put up like record-breaking numbers. Mullins threw for almost six hundred yards. You take away those three turnovers, that's maybe a. Uh, 58 to 28 game, a yeah. 60 to 28 game. And that's where, when I look at this game against UTSA, trap game and a half. Because if UTSA, I said it, yeah, I went on the Blue Tech, Bleed, uh, Bleed Blue Tech, shout out to Jonathan Ford, joined us last week. I went on there last night to talk a little conference USA football. And that's what I said. If UTSA can force some turnovers against Southern Miss, that's what UTEP didn't do when they were still in the game. If UTSA can do that, their passing game is viable, UTSA's passing game. It's not juggernaut but that's a tro- that's that's a, definitely a trap game for southern miss coming off of a game where they put up ridiculous numbers on rice man so that's that that game could have gone a lot ugly last week but i'm more so seeing how they can play because weird things happen in that damn alamo dome yeah utep shut out a team in that alamo dome <laughs> <laughs> weird shit happens in the alamo dome ladies and gentlemen oh that's funny man <laughs> louisiana tech got that game uh sorry got the win against utep they're coming in at number four They've got, as we just mentioned, West Kentucky this week big at home. Tomorrow. I mean, that's a big game for both those teams. Yeah. You know, who's going to – Louisiana Tech's two and three. We know that they could they could have a much better record than that if they had played lesser opponents. But, you know, they're coming in at number four. So, it's it's time for those two teams to kind of, you know, step up to the front of the class. And, in my opinion, it'll be West Kentucky, but we'll see what happens. Marshall now down to one and three after the 43-27 loss to Pitt. You know, Pitt's actually a decent team, yeah. but that was a game that I thought they would be able to hang in and – I know that, that, you know, it was they, – they got – I think it was like 20, 20 to 0 at half or something. Like, it wasn't even yeah. – it was never really a game. They got it to within one score very late in the fourth quarter. They had an opportunity to, to stop Marsh, uh, stop Pittsburgh and get the ball back. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was never really a close game. Uh, I, this isn't the Marshall of old. I mean, I've been wrong. I, I've been high on Marshall, but, you know, they, they've just let me down every, every week. I, th- I think – that that's fair to say, but I'm gonna say this: their schedule has been ridiculously tough. I, I think they've had the toughest okay. schedule out of everybody, and honestly, I think that they're gonna run shop through everybody outside of Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, where did Marshall come from?" But I still think the talent's there. I think they've just had tough matchups with really good teams. That that's my take. My, on my thing is the Akron game. You know, yeah, and that's when I did when I when I saw that I thought it was kind of like an anomaly. I thought, you know what, they just they had a bad game, they had about half, whatever whatever it was. But now you start to see these losses, you know, pile up, and and now I'm not so sure. So look, they got a game at North Texas. This should, this should be a game where they're able to win and put up 30, right. 40, 50 points and, right, and win man. by thirty or forty points. So. You know, we'll see what happens, but if that's a close game, I think the questions yeah, yeah, about Marshall are, yeah, are real. Yeah. If, if, if I totally agree with you, but like I said, if they if they're able to run through folks, then I think it's going to come down to Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. But the team that I bumped them for just because of that Old Dominion has been sort of impressive because it's not the way that they're doing it, but they're just taking care of business. And honestly, 
honestly, I, we're a UTEP homers. This is maybe where I would see a UTEP was in terms of just taking care of business this yeah. year. I mean, the, no doubt about it. They're three and two, two and zero in conference. They're coming off a big win against Charlotte, fifty-two seventeen. You talk about taking care of business. This Saturday is that take care of yeah. business game. They got Friday. UMass. They, they oh, moved, sorry, they moved, they moved that up. Okay, they got the weather and all. They got that. UMass Friday. Um, that's a game where if they are gonna kind of solidify themselves as one of those top half of the league yeah. teams, you know, that Fair. second tier um, game that'll do that. Otherwise, they lose this one at home and. And they're just kind of back in, in, the, in the pile with the rest of these teams. So you want to see them smash you? No, 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 not even. Just take win. care of business. Just win. Just take care of business. And, and if they're able to do that, you talk about a team that's four and two, you know, they're two, well, two wins away from ball eligibility with half a season to go. So that's a team that is definitely deserving of a top. They're on track. They're, they're on track to be, to be an outside bowl team from that top tier for sure. North Texas comes in at number seven, two and three now on the season, one and one. They lost to Middle Tennessee, thirty-three to ten. They got more this week, as game. we talked about. American Sports Network, five p.m. Mountain Time, UTSA, one and three, zero oh and one. They were off, and now they got Southern Miss. We also talked about that one. The Miners come in at number nine, one and four, zero oh and two. Um, Where you put them? I put them at ten. Yeah, ten, ten's probably the spot, but they weren't higher than eight. I don't think it really that. matters. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think it really matters. Seven through thirteen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, seven through thirteen. Arrange them however you want. I mean, it, it, now that conference play is kind of really getting in in full motion and full swing, this is where it's going to be decided. And, and power rankings aren't going to be much in in two or three weeks. You know, this list could be completely different in just a couple of weeks. Even after just this week. You mean you know? UTEP could be in the top five? <laughs> Truthfully, they probably could. You know, you win two or three straight, and you put yourself back in that conversation. And nobody else is doing anything. You know, well, I mean, you talk about the top four teams. Okay? Oh, Those yeah. Those teams yeah, are, are yeah. top of They're the league. Set, yeah. But that second tier with Marshall, Dominion. You know, They're they all can, fighting for both spots. They, they can start losing some end. games, and UTEP wins some. But, you know, regardless, aside from all that, you just got a win, period. We got FIU Saturday, as we all know, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And FIU comes up this God be with the mind. right behind them. One, one and four, one and zero. Oh. They got that win over FAU this weekend. They got who? Who this Saturday? Shoot that way. They got. I actually put FIU number eight because I've been high on FIU since the preseason. But just, yeah, that's that's too high. Yeah, it is. That's but, too high. But either again, I was you happy can, for You them. can arrange them however you want. FAU comes in at number eleven, one and four, zero oh and one in conference. They lost to FIU and they got Charlotte this weekend. That's a chance for them to kind of get back on that on that winning. I don't know, can, you can't call it a streak or what do you call get it? Get back off, off the schneid. Get off the schneid. <laughs> Rice comes in at number 12. It's probably the, the shocker of, of this year. You know, you knew that they weren't going to be as good as they have been in years past, they, but not 0-5. Not the 1990s Rice. Yeah, like, so, so Rice comes in at 12. and Much, mean, much Charlotte, needed by this week. Charlotte's still comfortable as can be down there in, in number 13. Uh, coming off that lost old dominion, they got FAE this week. So. Just taking damn, taking a big chunk out of the CUSA money just to suck and be a steaming pile of shit. Uh, that's Ooh. not UTEP, by the way. What's going on over here in this game? Who's on pitchers play? duel, man? Ooh, boy, the door should remember, be interesting, man. I remember watching him at Southwest University Park like a damn fan, man. Door. Like a kid, kid's talented. So check out the rush. A lot of good content up there today. A lot of good stuff popped off. Check it out. Y'all know where to find us at. I'm I'm out of it, man. I'm just like you know I'm disappointed because where we're at in this season and you know this is just this is just the game. This yeah. is the game, man. We gotta win this one. 
I, I'm not even looking for five or six wins. I'm just saying, let's, let's come out of this rut that we've been in. You know and what and beat, beat the programs, not the team. Let's take care of business. Let's take care of the business against the programs you're supposed That's to. That's it. Aaron Jones, somebody pray over this, his this ankle. Should be, this should be the game where he takes – where he gets his again. Yeah. You know, we haven't really seen him since the again. Mexico State. Exactly. You see, he'll explode this yeah, weekend. I, really I think, think so. Got to take care of business. Y'all know where to find us, though. Um, five, is it what is it, 5 p.m. kickoff? Is that what it is? Six, I think 6 p.m. kickoff. 80% kick chance off. of rain. Bring a poncho if you go. Bring that poncho. But y'all know where to find us. Uh, minorrush.com at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter. SBN Minor Rush at gmail.com, facebook.com slash Minor Rush and all over wherever else. If you can find us, hit us up. Let us know what's going on. Check out this podcast on iTunes. Check out the podcast on iTunes. Peace.